In a microservices architecture, a user request will often make its way through several different services before it returns a result to the end user. If a user experiences a failed request, the root cause could be in any of the services along that request path. Even more problematic is the challenge of debugging latency in this kind of request chain. Reshmi Krishna joins the show today to discuss distributed tracing, the process of tracking the path of a request through multiple services in order to determine the root cause of latency or errors. A popular tool for distributed tracing is Zipkin, which is largely based off of a paper published by Google called Dapper. Reshmi is also speaking at the upcoming O'Reilly Velocity Conference in New York, September 20th through 22nd, so check that out if you're interested in web performance, continuous delivery, or anything else related to web and mobile development. Before we get to this episode, a few quick announcements. If you're interested in advertising on Software Engineering Daily, send me an email, jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com. There are more than 14,000 engineers that listen to Software Engineering Daily on a regular basis, so it's a great place to get your product out into the ears of developers or to advertise available jobs that you might have at your company. Also, if you're an engineer that's looking for an open source project to work on, check out Software Daily at softwaredaily.com. This is an open source news and information site about software. It's being led by Jeff Tribble, a member of the Software Engineering Daily community. You can also check out softwareengineeringdaily.com, which is the website for this podcast. You can find links to the Slack channel, my Twitter account, my email. You can find a link to sign up for our newsletter, Software Weekly. And with that, let's get to today's episode. Reshmi Krishna is a platform architect with Pivotal. Reshmi, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yes, great to have you. So today we are talking about distributed tracing, and I'd like to set us up for that conversation by first discussing software architecture trends more broadly. We've done many shows about breaking up a monolithic application into microservices, and this type of transformation has a number of consequences, and one of them is debugging. How does debugging a distributed application differ from debugging a monolithic application? Right. So that's a question we you know, get asked a lot because since you're looking for transformation and since customers are more moving from monoliths to microservices, one of the challenges we have seen that when you have microservices, you have typically broken down your monoliths into various applications. So initially as a monolith, you would have only have to track one big application. Now you have probably broken it into various other applications and you probably have a lot of API sitting in front of it. And so that way, also if you're using some kind of a cloud provider, you will see a lot of challenges when you're starting to debug, also do latency analysis. So those are the two main challenges. And on top of that, of course, you have a lot of other challenges as well, like configuration management and, you know, discovering the services. But a lot of these challenges do magnify themselves when you're breaking a monolith into microservices. These latency issues can be particularly difficult so when we're when we're assessing these latency issues in distributed applications, what are the common causes of latency in a distributed application? Right. 
So it can be a, like a variety of issues. It can be like, let's say when your monolith have been broken down, you know, there's a lot of API calls going around. Also, if you're using some kind of a router or load balancer in front of your application, let's say for each microservice call, the way you've architected the your architecture. So let's say if for each microservices call, depending on if the request is coming in from the load balancer or is it doing service discovery inside. Also, another thing I can think about is some kind of an issue in your hardware that might have been affecting certain instances of your microservices. So you see abnormal behavior from certain instances of your microservices. Um, those can be predict- typically really challenging to debug. Is latency more challenging to debug than a complete application failure? Absolutely, yes. Why is that? Because latency can be tricky, right? So firstly, you will have to understand what is your relative response time. So you would have to know what's a good starting point from that. And then from there, only then can you say, okay, my application is having latency issues. So you would, ha- you would have to have like a baseline. And then you would say, okay, my application is having issues and how much my application is suffering, right? So if I make a call to a microservice from some portion of my application and that microservice calls another microservice and so on, we have this chain of requests if I'm a developer that is just consuming the top-level API at that at the beginning of that chain of microservices, and that API is slow for, me, for to respond, as a developer who's just accessing this this API at the top of the chain, and that API is slow to respond, the experience is simply that this top-level service is going slow. But in actuality, it could be the top-level service is slow, or any request in that chain of microservices is going slow. So in this type of situation, which is quite typical, what are the questions that I should start to ask myself about how to find a solution to this problem? So first of all, I think more than the questions, I think one good thing to keep in mind is when you're designing your microservices, right? You will have typically as a developer, you would have a view into, okay, this service call is calling these five other microservices, right? So if you have some kind of a logging view or some kind of a view into that, like which microservice is calling what, if you have some kind of a latency analysis around that, then I think that's very important as a developer to keep that in mind, right? And that's where a lot of the technologies that we have been using really helps you. And and what are, I mean, how much does just normal, typical logging, I mean, we're not talking about, we're not talking about distributed tracing, we'll get into that eventually, but how, to what degree does just typical logging infrastructure help with solving this type of problem of diagnosing the latency in in a request chain? Right. So you do have, we do have uh, really complex like logging solutions where you can see the time taken for like each call. But for you to have some kind of a correlation, since these are different microservices, 
that's typically a challenge around these you know various logging services you're having so as a developer you need to have some kind of a common id that you need to pass around which each request so that you understand okay this request went from this microservice app to another one so what is distributed tracing so distributed tracing in very simple terms means you're able to diagnose end-to-end latency in your system, and you're able to visualize it. So that's very simple. Like, it's in very simple terms what it means. Okay. And so some of the vocabulary we should get into here Mm -hmm. first is a span. What is a span? Right. So a span is you can think about a transaction, right? So let's say, let me paint a picture for you. So let's say you have a request that calls microservice A, then it goes to call microservice B. So each of those calls are called spans. Okay, so uh, I think another definition I found was an individual operation that took place with timestamped events and tags. So if you take a span of a service, what are some events and tags that might be components of that span? Right. So events might be something like, let's say you put a sleep event there, or let's say you put some kind of a continue or some kind of an event you put there. It can be a custom event, or it can be an event like you're stopping the span. So those are some of the examples of the events that you can have in a span. And so so, so a span, so a collection of spans makes up a trace. What is a trace? A trace is just a complete view of all the spans. So it's a tree that spans over all of your spans and gives you the total latency of your complete request. And so when I think of a series or a series of requests as it traces through my different services, I think of a linear path. I think of one service calling another, calling another, calling another, and then tracing back like a stack trace which would be more of just a stack. Why is it a tree? Why do, you, why do you think of it as a tree? Why are there forks in this path? Right. So if you think about the application design, right, the distributed applications, most often than not, you will have parallel calls. You will have thread pools. You will have a variety of threads which are going and executing in parallel. So that's one of the reasons it's called trees because you see the whole view of all those calls, whether they're serial or parallel, and you see a whole view into that. And that's why it's called a tree rather than a stack. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about spans and traces at this point. What is a tracer? A tracer is a very lightweight library that you can include in your code. And it's, it has design goals. Like it should be, it should add really low overhead to your code And it basically allows you to generate each trace ID and span ID, which is unique to your request. Do these tracers go in my production code, or is this just code that I insert when I want to debug an application? Ideally, they should go in your production code. And that's why the design goal that's in place, that they basically have three design goals, like low overhead, it should have application-level transparency. So the developers shouldn't really bother about it. It should be something that it's there. 
It's not adding additional overhead. Also, it's something that does, don't need to be maintained by the developers. And how do I write a tracer that does not add latency or you know how what are the what are some some tips to to writing a tracer that avoids adding latency avoids crashing my application what are the best practices to writing a tracer right so one of the things is there are a lot of production grade tracers which are already available and they're all open sourced like i can talk specifically about java they have the spring cloud sleuth tracer which is already available you can integrate it with your code. And otherwise, if you want to really write it your way, then you have to really keep these design goals in mind. And I would strongly suggest this paper called the Dapper, Dapper paper by Google, which was written, I think, way back in 2008. It really describes the design goals of what a tracer should be and how you should write it. And it involves... You know, research, it also involves you to understand how much latency you are okay with handling. So you might be okay with adding 0.001 millisecond latency to your request, or you might be okay with, you know, sampling only 10% of your request, because depending on how many requests you want to sample, that also adds to your overhead and latency. So when Google wrote that Dapper paper, what were the problems that they were trying to solve that were not being solved by other software? What was it that they had to write that was uh, unwritten up until that point? Right. So you have to think about it. This was 2008 and you know Google was one search call spanned over multiple distributed systems. So the reason why they wrote this paper was because they did not find anything which is production grade that they can just incorporate with their code and let that sit. Because one of the things the design goal was not to have something like not to have something incorporated in your application once you start to see latency. You want something that's already there. It's already sitting in your production code. So it's easy for you to just look into the system, right, while your application is running in, in production. So you, you touched on this earlier that we we need to be able to track a request as it moves through different services, and we're often doing this with some sort of request ID. So when I'm performing a trace through a chain of services, how how is that data being aggregated? Is the data about that request path is it compounding and then being handed off from service to service or is the data just being communicated uh individually from each service how how is that data being being compounded from this request that is moving through different services right so one of the things again to keep in mind is your if you want to incorporate something in your application code their job should be only to just add these unique request IDs to your code so that, you know, they can add low overhead. Now, you basically need to delegate this job of aggregating and collecting all these data and providing you with a nice view over it to a distributed tracing system. An example of that is Zipkin. 
which is already available. Um, there is a project called Open Zipkin that's been going on within the community. Um, a lot of the contributors, like we have Adrian Cole, uh, who is from Twitter, currently works in Pivotal, is also part of that project. So one of those distributed tracing systems can really help you in collecting, aggregating the data so that the only thing you need to do is just generate these request IDs, the re unique request IDs for each of your requests, and you just send it over. So have like a RabbitMQ or some kind of a stream, and you send this data over to one of these distributed systems. So let's talk more about Zipkin, because we've been talking about distributed tracing in the abstract. Zipkin is probably the most notable example, at least in the open source community today. What are the origins of Zipkin? So the origins of Zipkin is basically, as I understand, it was way back in Twitter, I think I believe in 2012. Um, Adrian Cole was also part of this initial, it was an initial hack project. Um, the origins of Zipkin is actually Twitter, but the design goals are similar to the Dapper paper. Actually, they're the same design goals. So what they did was they took this paper and they implemented it initially. And then that was called Zipkin. And it's it was used in Twitter's production system way back in 2012. Mm. So what is required to set up Zipkin? Zipkin is pretty, you know, very simple. Um, only thing, so it's available as an open source GitHub project. You can set it up in multiple ways. It's also available as a Spring Boot uh, application. So you may set it up in either like, let's say you can have, run it as a Docker container, or you can have uh, some kind of a Vagrant uh, running, or if you're using some kind of a platform as a service, you can just deploy it as a complete app there. So Zipkin itself consists of several components. It's, it's yep. a collector, it's a storage system, it's a query service, and it's a web UI. Yep. Describe how this stack of Zipkin components interacts with my application itself. Right. So your application, the way your application will interact with Zipkin, actually it's the other way around, is through a stream, as I was mentioning. So you can imagine your application doesn't need to know about Zipkin. So you can imagine you have some kind of a stream you know, Kafka, RabbitMQ, any of these streams that's going over, your application is binding to that and that stream is draining into this collector, um, into Zipkin. And what the collector is doing is it's aggregating all of these, collecting all these spans, aggregating it, and then it's storing these traces into the database. So Zipkin retains data based on how much you want to, like a day, and hours, multiple days. And finally, then you have a very nice UI that gives you a view into all of these traces and spans after being collected and aggregated. Into It basically gives you a view into that. Another thing Zipkin allows is gives you a very nice you know, dependency graph, which I really like. So it, it allows you to see your request, which microservices did it go from? Also, how many number of calls did each microservice make to another one? And that's, I think, my favorite feature in Zipkin. 
Why is it your favorite? Because it's very like once you look at it, it's like really simple. Within you know, just looking at the diagram, you can see okay, my microservice A call microservice B C D. This is these are how many how many number of calls it did in a previous one minute, and it really becomes for me easy to just you know keep that in mind because otherwise what I would have to do is go through SSH into each machine, look at each logs, understand, okay, this request went and made a call to these seven different microservices. And it's just, you know, makes my life a lot easier. When I have Zipkin set up, does that mean that I'm collecting every request that comes into the system or am I just turning on Zipkin when I want to debug something? No, so that's a very good question. So the the way you would control how much data, so think about it like this, right? Zipkin will collect as much data as you're sending it. It doesn't have a filter. The way you would control this data is in your tracer, in your application. So you would have something like percentage, like something like, I know Spring Cloud Sleuth, that's what I use for Java applications, you have a sampling percentage where you say that it samples 50% of my requests or it only samples the request which has a 500 uh, status, HTTP status along with it. So you have these various complex sampling features in the tracer. As a result, when you are already sending the data over to the stream, you're sending that much amount of data and not the whole 100% of it. So is that to say that in your application, do you put in like an exception handling? Perhaps do you put in, uh, you know, a, a hook to send the data to Zipkin, or is it more that, uh, yeah? I mean, I guess just if you could clarify, is this something that I'm only sending during an exception, or is it something that I'm going to be sending routinely? It's something you're going to be sending routinely. Okay. Right? Because you don't know when the exception is going to happen. Okay. So I'm sending, so I'm saying, uh, am I doing something like saying every 1000 milliseconds sample from this service? Or uh, am I saying, you know, every so often sample this request? Um, or, or uh, yeah, I guess g- give me some more color on how I'm choosing what to sample, how long to sample, when to sample. Right. So if you look at traditional architectures and also in the Dapper paper, once you read it, you will see that Google have also mentioned that if a latency issue occurs once, it's going to occur multiple times. So I don't need to sample whole 100% of my application. Most of the times I have seen the way people sample their applications is based on percentages. So maybe they will sample like 30 or 40% or they will sample, you can also sample your error code. So something like every time you have a 500 code, you send it over to on, onto the rabbit stream so that Zipkin can collect it. You can also do a variety of these things, right? But the most common thing I've seen is the percentage-based sampling. Okay. And is it important for a given... Uh, collection instance of Zipkin, is it important for you to be collecting the request at every step in the 
uh, in the path that it that the request goes through through these different microservices, or can you uh, can you collect different fragments from different request chains? It's important to collect the whole request fragment, and that's how you would generally do it, because otherwise you will not get the full color into what happened in that particular request. Right. So, how do you coordinate that? Uh, you know, those different services all collecting. Uh, an instance of a uh, of a distributed trace. Um, like, how do you c- coordinate where you have all each of these services saying at a given instance, "Hey, we're going to sample an entire end-to-end request now." Right. So that should be something that's done by. So, firstly, you might have something like um, maybe let's say ten percent or twenty percent sampling rate into each microservice, right? And then it's the Zipkin's collector job to basically collect because it will see the request coming in from microservice A, from B, C, D, right? It's the collector's jobs to aggregate all those traces and spans into a single tree. And that's what it does the best, right? And then on your tracer side, one thing what I've seen people do is they get the tracing percentage, this like the same tracing percentage throughout all the microservices. So that way they make sure that one request ID, since your one request is passing from one microservice to another one to another one, that request is completely being traced. Right. So we've done some shows recently about the Prometheus monitoring system, which is this you know, monitoring is slightly different than distributed tracing. But one interesting architectural point I saw in Zipkin that contrasts with Prometheus is that Zipkin uses Cassandra by default, which is a replicated database. Uh, Prometheus does not replicate its data. So could you explain what is the core difference between the data from a distributed tracing system and the data in a monitoring system, why are we willing to pay the extra overhead to replicate our data in a distributed tracing system? Well, the whole concept of distributed tracing is, first of all, it's not about sending all of the data, right? So in Prometheus and in monitoring systems, you probably monitor everything. You're 100% of the traffic, right? And in Zipkin, what it's, we're already saying is do not send over 100% of your traffic, right? We want to make sure that you can trace your exact requests, but ideally, even if you send over 10% of your traffic, you should be able to trace those particular latency issues and errors, right? So I think that's one function of... Um, Zipkin or distributed tracing systems where it says that it's not a full-blown, it's not a monitoring system, right? So that's where the monitoring and the tracing systems really diverge. Mm. It's not something that says, okay, I'm going to monitor your complete application. I'm going to show you the complete view into all the requests and errors and debug. So it's not essentially an error analysis or debugging system. Right. So, so with monitoring, you say, we'll collect everything 
and we'll yes. decide we'll decide later on what's important. Yep. Uh, and in the meantime, if we have some kind of network partition or something, we'll drop data on the floor. We won't care too much about it. With distributed tracing, you're saying up front, okay, we're only going to sample at this interval. But when we do that sampling, we really want to keep track of that data so that we have it in case of an emergency or in case of uh, we need to debug something. Um, right. So so how do we use distributed tracing and monitoring in conjunction? How does this actually look in practice? Right. So one of the, uh, one of the ways I really like to use is, so I, I work for Pivotal, right? So I use Cloud Foundry. And you can think about, we have something called as the metrics. So metrics you can think about as your typical monitoring system where you can look into, you know, each of the requests coming in. And anytime you feel like your request is slow or something's going on, you know, you look into the monitoring system where you see, okay, there's, you look for errors. Most, most often than not, you will not see errors in due to a latency because everything generally looks fine. That's when I go over to Zipkin and that's when I go over and try to see, okay, if I look into the request, I try to search. So Zipkin also has a very good search uh, functionality where you can search by, you can have custom tags. Like you can think about it. Like if you have a trading system, you can search per symbol volumes you can have you can write these various custom tags and i generally search and then i see okay what's going on with all my traces and i look into i can click into one of them and i can see the whole all the spans that's come in and i can look into the whole latency and see what exactly is going on okay that's really interesting that's great general explanation do, do, is there a specific bug you could walk me through that you've solved with distributed tracing? Uh, one of the things is, so I recently did a demo and um, in Spring One, at Spring One Platform Conference, and one of the things was I was testing something in my dev, and during the demo I saw was, so it was a sleep, I put a thread dot sleep, and during my demo, I saw that my request was actually, re- I was not visibly slow, but I can figure out when I'm clicking, it was relatively slow. So then what I did was I went into my monitoring system. I saw there were no errors. And then I came back to Zipkin and I saw that I clicked into each of the spans and you can really click into it, dive deeper into what class and what method these spans are coming from. So that's another good thing. It gives you access to, you know, exactly what method and what class. So I went back to my Java class and I saw I did put in a sleep there, right? So that's one of the things that really valuable for me. Mm -hmm. So is the data that gets stored in the the whatever database we hook into Zipkin, I mean, we could use Cassandra, we could use Elasticsearch, MySQL, whatever yeah. we want. Cassandra is the default. Do we need a garbage collection policy on the distributed traces that we are storing, or is it not? An, is it not enough data that we're storing to uh, necessitate that? So I haven't really heard about the garbage collection. Uh, that's. So you shouldn't have to do anything specific to the database. I, by the way, use MySQL with Zipkin. 
and it works great. And I know a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of my friends, they're more comfortable with my sequel than Cassandra. So it's like, I did not have to do anything. I didn't have to set any garbage collection or I did not really have to do any database optimization for Zipkin. Do you replicate? I do not. Okay. So you, you kind of take the same, the same approach that the monitoring systems take. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Um, would there be situations where you would, you would strongly suggest, uh, replication or, I mean, it was, I guess it's just a matter of sensitivity of the application and yes. uh, Yeah. Yeah. The the complexity they're willing to bake into their, uh, debugging systems. I'm sure their, their production systems have enough complexity. If they don't want more complexity, maybe they won't, they won't replicate their data here. So, I have, so one thing is my app is not in production, right? So if it's in production, I might want to replicate. Right. So those are a couple of design issues. And, you know, the open Zipkin community, um, they have an amazing support system. They have a Gitter channel and they have a mo- the, all the code, like the programmers are right there. So if I have any questions at some point, I always ask them. So I think one of the most important things or whatever I've seen is in the dev environment, I don't replicate, but in probably in UAT or in prod, you might have to. And now in Prometheus, there is this ecosystem of all the different applications that you might be using in your, in your distributed application. You know, there's a, whether it's MySQL or uh, Rails, all of these different services have hooks into the Prometheus monitoring platform. Is the same true with Zipkin, where each of these services needs to implement their own way of hooking into the Zipkin service? So, yes. So, uh, the tracers, right, as we were talking about, you would have tracers for different languages, like you have for Java, you would have for, you know, like Ruby, Rails. You would have to implement these language-specific tracers, or there's already, so there's a big open-source community for tracers as well, um, where you can basically implement that or just bind it to your application. And what is involved? So, I mean, there's probably most of the people who are listening to this have some distributed application, and I'm going to guess that most people do not have Zipkin uh, implemented in their system. How complex is it to set up that integration with Zipkin? Right. So my application is a Spring, since I mostly work with financial services. So it's a Java Spring application. And I can tell you, I use open source Zipkin, uh, deployed as an app. The whole thing, collector, uh, server, UI, is just one app that I have deployed. And I have bound it to... MySQL database, and I have bound it to a RabbitMQ messaging system. And then I have hooked it to the same RabbitMQ that my application is using. So I didn't need to do anything specific uh, from the application point of view um, in terms of messaging. For my tracer, what I needed to do was, since I needed to implement the tracer into my Java Spring application, I... um, 
bound the, I basically added the dependencies for Spring Cloud Sleuth in my Gradle file. And then I set the sampling percentage. And then I implemented a couple of custom tags and events. You don't really need to do that. That's optional. And that's all I needed to do. So if an organization adopts Zipkin and they say, okay, from now on, we're going to have distributed tracing throughout our applications, are there any workflows that the company has to bake into the process of their application creation? Like, Do they have to say, okay, from now on, if you write a new service, you've got to put in uh, monitoring, you've got, or sorry, you've got to put in distributed tracing abilities at each connection point with a different service or how does it how does the organizational adoption story work right so you would have to do you will have to add your language specific library right your language specific tracer library um, into your application but you do not need to change the way you're you know writing or implementing your applications you will not need to do that and your tracers by default should generate these different traces and spans based on your request IDs. So these companies that have distributed tracing at massive scale, like Twitter and Uber, they have talked some about how they debug latency. How do these big companies with complex service graphs approach the problem of debugging latency with uh, distributed tracing? Right. So... One of the things is, um, I was actually recently reading a blog from Uber. They have implemented something called as Jagger, which is a Zipkin-compatible distributed system. Uh, they have 700 engineers, and out of them, only two of them are working for the distributed tracing, right? So one thing to keep in mind is, as we move from more um, mid-sized to more you know, big organizations, they would probably have like not a whole team, but probably one or two people uh, who are dedicated to distributed tracing. And one of the things, I think one of the prospects of in distributed tracing and why the adoption is getting more and more every day is because you would relatively need to make very little application change, right? So you would you would not need to write your application so that you you can do tracing. All you need to do is just implement those libraries or just add those libraries into your whatever build Maven or any of those files. Mm. Okay, so at a giant company like Uber, they would want to standardize it to the degree of where you you don't even need to write any lines of code other than the import statement for Zipkin. You don't even actually need an import statement. Um, you just need a library. So just need uh, uh, like some kind of a library which is there in your build file. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about the components of Zipkin that are, we've talked about the collector, how the information actually gets collected into the Zipkin system from your application, how it gets stored, We've not talked about the query service and the web UI that work together to deliver us data as the end user of Zipkin. How does the query service interact with the storage system and how does the 
the query service interact with the web UI? How do we actually use Zipkin as an end user of you know, try to debug latency in our application? Right. So once you deploy Zipkin as an application, once you click into it, you will already have the UI presented to you. The UI gives you certain capabilities of, you know, either specifying the timestamp or it automatically shows you the applications with, which are registered to the same stream. So let's say if I have four microservices, it will show me all those four microservices in a dropdown. Then it'll show me the calls that it's getting. So it, it, what it does is it, once you see the UI much clearer, it will have certain capabilities, the dropdowns already baked into the UI. So when you go to the UI, you can click on any of those requests that you want to see and click on find traces and it will show you all the traces within that given time frame for that particular query. So what's going on in the Zipkin community today in the open source project? Right. So in the open, the open source project is called Open Zipkin. And what we are seeing is more and more people, um, more and more committers. And if you see their GitHub and more and more libraries which are coming in, more and more committers that's coming in. And they are not only contributing to Zipkin, they're also trying to build for different languages. So right now, I know Java is a, a popular language, but they're trying to also build in various integrations to different libraries like uh, Brave, Finagle, and all of those different um, libraries into Zipkin. So basically what's going on is they're trying to expand Zipkin to a level where it can support multiple languages and can support production-grade tracers going forward. Now, are there fundamental problems that still exist with distributed tracing that are hard to solve, or is it more of this getting the you know getting all the right integrations written, getting these you know the long tail of the different types of things you might want to integrate into your uh, your Zipkin tracing service, uh, getting those integrations written? So, I think one of the things that I have seen is uh, the database, right? So let's say if your application is making a call to a database, till what level do you implement those tracing, right? Does it go into your whole JDBC, ODBC layer? How much do you want to integrate that into a distributed tracing system, right? So a couple of those conversations are also going on as to what really should you taste, trace beyond the application? So your application probably goes and communicate with different databases, polyglot databases, you know, variety of messaging systems. So what should you really trace and what should you not trace, right? So those kind of conversations are also going on. Okay, so this is kind of a can of worms I didn't even approach earlier. So, you know, for example, when a request enters the database, you know, you you could... You could uh, you could consider the amount of time spent in that database service to be, um, I guess, a number of different things. What? How do you define the bounds of a span within a different service? Is is that a subjective decision? 
So currently, that's something already, that's the application-bound context. And that's the reason I said these are all the conversations which are going on right now um, is about what kind of bound do you really want to define outside of your application. And that's something that's been actively worked on. So you work at Pivotal. Pivotal makes a product called Cloud Foundry. Uh, Pivotal is also focused on Spring. Why is Pivotal interested in distributed tracing? In Pivotal, we believe that we we want to transform the way people build software, and we also want to transform the culture of you know what's going around of enterprises. So the reason why Pivotal is really invested in distributed tracing is we want to give you a whole view into your applications. So we are invested, as you said correctly, into Spring. Um, we have platform as a service. We also have our Pivotal Labs division that work with customer and teach them agile methodologies, test-driven programming. So we want to go the whole length and we want to give you like a wholesome view of your microservices, what's going on um, into the Spring Cloud. So if you have followed the Spring Cloud project, um, you will see there are different challenges that's getting resolved by the Spring Cloud project, like um, there is configuration server for configuration management, service discovery. Um, we have Hystrix, Circuit Breaker. A lot of that has been integrated from Netflix, Netflix APIs. Uh, so we are um, basically committed to giving you an all-around solution as to Let's say when you want to develop microservices and you want to go cloud native, what are the challenges can you face? How can we help you with that? Great. So you are going to be speaking at O'Reilly's Velocity New York conference. What are you going to be talking about at that conference? Right. So a lot of the things is the same things we'll be talking about. And I'll be also showing a demo. So I love to show demos because I believe that's how the developer community really connects and showing demos of how can you integrate these technologies into your existing application. I'll be talking a lot about um, what's going on in the distributed tracing world, talking about how Twitter, Uber, variety of companies and our customers do distributed tracing. So it's a, it's going to be a 40-minute talk. Um, I I hope I can give 10 minutes to questions, and in 30 minutes, that's all I want to cover. Okay, well, Reshmi, thanks for coming on the show. This has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed talking to you about distributed tracing. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Symphono for sponsoring Software Engineering Daily. Symphono is a custom engineering shop where senior engineers tackle big tech challenges while learning from each other. Check it out at symphono.com slash sedaily. That's S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-O dot com slash sedaily. Thanks again, Symphono.